0: Hello, friends. This is your host, Joe Fuensalita, and you're listening to the Well for Goodness Sake podcast. Well for Goodness Sake is about being real and keeping it real through real live talks and throughout all walks of life. This means whether or not you're a parent, a student, a young person, married or single, or maybe you're just now recovering from a broken relationship. This is a safe space that was created for you to be able to come and relax, to listen, and to find encouragement, as well as that desired and relatable connection with other people who just might be in the same boat that you're in right now. I am here to laugh with you, to love on you, and encourage your heart with all of mine as much as God gives me the words to do so. We are simply seeking God's heart by getting in His presence, Diving into his word and pursuing the 4 8 life. What is the 4 8 life? Well, that is what we are here to talk about. But I'll tell you, it begins by getting in his presence first and daily and applying practical truths found in scripture, the Bible, in order to find that perfect peace, identity, and purpose. You are not alone. You know that? You're not alone. Life is full of chaos. And through all of the ups and downs we experience in life, relationships, and circumstances that are often completely outside of our control, we need God's mercy and grace. We need to be able to laugh, cry, rest, and push forward, and then find that peace by embracing God's infinite purpose for us and focusing on what is true and what is worthy of our time, His love for us you know how much God loves you? Do you really know? Welcome to this safe space. I am just so glad you're here with me. Well, for goodness sakes, I'm just so excited to be here with you for the very first episode of the Well, For Goodness Sake podcast. Isn't this just crazy and wonderful? all at the same time. (laughs) I have got my coffee and my cheerful little mouse pad that's got my life verse on it. Philippians chapter four, verse eight. Where are you listening from? I hope that you are feeling great today. I know that many of you have been observing the social media platform and asking some questions. I've had some messages. I've had some comments like, where is the podcast? And so here we are. I finally have something for you. (laughs) Although God's been working on my heart for quite some time, it took a little hot minute to get this out there. Listen, I have just been so excited about what God has been doing in my own heart that I've basically been bursting at the seams to share it with you. (laughs) I laugh since, you know, most of the time I literally had no idea what God was doing. And sometimes I still don't fully understand his direction, but I'm learning to trust him and just go with it. And if that means giving over my brand and stop doing the blogging that I was doing, I was about to delete social media, actually. (laughs) And um, he just wants me to give it to him. So I am so grateful to have all of you here. I love being in this safe space with you. I hope that you feel encouraged, not alone, uh, just loved while you're here with me. So yay, first episode. Here we go. (laughs) So today... We are here to talk about the 4-8 life. I can't wait to get started. The 4-8 life. This is just a thing that I say all the time now. It's like a catchphrase, maybe. (laughs) I just kind of introduced into our family. I pulled it from my longtime life chapter that I've said many, many times, the 4-8, Philippians 4-8, and I just want to read that to you now in the King James Version, and it says, Finally, brethren. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. I just (laughs) love that. So I grew up on King James Version, and it's a li- you know, it can be a little bit heavy. There's some versions of the Bible that are easier to understand. They're a lot more English friendly. <laughs> it could get boring. In fact, if you get into all of what I refer to as the begets or the beget chapters where so-and-so beget this guy, and then they beget that guy, it's like Old Testament stuff, mostly early chapters, like introducing the descendants of Abraham, <laughs> And i um, talking about who fathered who and who was the father of him. Here's an example so you don't think I'm crazy <laughs> right out of the gate. In Genesis chapter 5, it, it, I think it's verse 7 through 14. In fact, let me just pull that up. I'm going to read this to you. You're going to laugh. You're going to know exactly what I'm talking about with the beget, beget, beget. <laughs> you ready? All right. Genesis chapter 5, verse 7. And Seth lived after he beget Enos 807 years and beget sons and daughters. And all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. And Enos lived 90 years, and beget Canaan. And Enos lived after he beget Canaan 815 years, and beget sons and daughters. And all the days of Enos were 905 years, and he died. And Canaan lived 70 years, and beget Mahalalil. I hope I'm saying that right. And Canaan lived 70 years and begat Mahalalil. And Canaan lived after he begat Mahalalil 840 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Canaan were 910 years and he died. So you can see my point. And that was actually Genesis chapter 5, 7 through 14, verses 7 through 14. It's a mouthful and a brainful, if that was a word, brainful. <laughs> so don't, get, go, don't go here. Maybe if you need peace and grace, if you know what I'm saying, but, um, the King James is excellent for studying the Bible. And since I grew up with a lot of King, you know, I, I literally only had a King James version Bible. Um, my dad had lots of different versions probably and we could access them. So it wasn't like we didn't have something that we could reach out to other than King James and use. But that's what I grew up on. I find the Christian standard version pretty easy to follow and it explains things a little bit more clearly Um, That's just my experience. I'm sure there's, you probably have a favorite if you're a Bible studier and you like to read scripture and study like I do. Not necessarily the we chapters, but (laughs) you're still going to find some tongue twisters, even with Christian standard version um, in those chapters. But, you know, you maybe not, you'll probably find um, the ones with thousands of not well-known names like Aserim and. Latushim and Liamum from you know Genesis. there are some of those early to mid Genesis chapters. when it's doing all of the Abraham begets. But you know, obviously God has a specific purpose for all of those chapters too. <laughs> it just it can be heavy. Um, but generally speaking, Christian standard Version is excellent for you know, reading and trying to understand a paragraph or chapters in the Bible. In my experience, it's a little bit easier than King James. But when I'm studying, like what I'm doing here where we're breaking things down, I like to use King James. Now, let's talk about the topic meaning. Living the 4-8. To me, living the 4-8 means already having that mindset that is either beginning to develop a habit or fully trained by way of truthful thinking thoughts of things that are real if the thoughts are noble if those thoughts are honorable they have to be truthful right they have to be a truthful part of our reality so that means it would already be a habit to think on the things a mindset you've already created a mindset they say it takes 90 days to recreate a new habit I think I learned that in college I can't remember but do you tend to complain? Are you a complainer like I am? I'm just going to admit to you right here that I sometimes complain and I have to work on it. Sometimes I I have caught myself and my husband and I have chuckled about this. We're like, "Man, we're complainers. What do we have to complain about?" Do you complain at the dishes being dirty? Do you complain at your husband when he leaves his clothes all over the floor? <laughs> Have you noticed a pattern of waking up and feeling frustrated? Maybe you have to crawl halfway in the dryer like I do with chronic back pain and it's really hard to get the laundry out. Um, I am always trying to catch myself and once once you start paying attention to complaining, you're going to notice if it's a habit or not with you. So it's easy to start the day complaining about the things that bother us. Whether it's social media, whether it's politics, whether it's family, whether it's dirty laundry, dirty dishes, things laying around the house, the dog barking and waking up the babies, whatever it is, we have a tendency as humans to just complain. So I have noticed about myself that I tend to freak out if we're struggling. My first response inside of myself, maybe not outwardly for other people, But inside of myself, I tend to panic in my mind or my heart and not choose to rest in God until I take that moment to pray and connect, whether it's financially, um, you know, during one of the worst financial seasons in our life, I would, I had a tendency to freak out. I did freak out (laughs) and I was wasting my time on things that they were important, but they weren't worthy of all the time I was giving to it. If that makes sense, like I'm not saying let your kids starve, but don't allow worry to just take complete control over all of the things that you're doing. In this verse, when it's talking about dwelling, that entire meaning behind that, where Paul's talking about dwell on these things, the things that are true and the things that are worthy of your time, that don't waste your time, circle back over and over, create a mindset. Create a habit, habitual, positive, truthful thinking. I'm not talking about happy vibes where you throw vibes out into the world. I've definitely done my fair share of that, but there's a difference. Circling back over and over, meditating on creating a mindset of healthy, patterned thinking because you are believing on things that you know are true, that you know are positive and real. So how does this four eight? practice affect us positively well our mindset has already changed we have a new habit in place now we're practicing seeing things that we have rather than the stuff that we don't have right we start saying thank yous thank you over complaining Um, for example instead of waking up and noticing that the sink is full of dishes it doesn't mean I don't see stuff or I'm acting stupid now right (laughs) it doesn't mean that I'm blinded It's changing the way that I respond to the things that I can't change. Um, And it's not necessarily dishes. Obviously, I can change that. I can wash them and then they're gone, right? I can put them in the dishwasher and then boom, they're gone. Um, But there are a lot of factors and things in our life that we absolutely cannot take control over, such as, you know, the chronic pain um, or the stroke, the strokes, the multiple strokes that I had. Um, And I'll talk about that in a little bit. But there's things that we can freak out about rather than changing the way that we respond to them. And that makes all the difference. So the first way after creating this mindset and this habitual thinking patterns that are new and positive, the first way that this affects us positively is that it sets us up for living more authentically in God's design. What do I mean by that? In Psalms 139.14, it says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And according to that verse, fearfully means amazingly. We are amazingly made by God. Do we feel like we are living amazingly? Do we feel like we're living awesomely? This verse is one of our favorites ever since my daughter started Awanas. (laughs) We did Awanas for like nine months last year. And it's literally one of our favorite verses. Um, part of my life story, obviously, is having the strokes and having chronic pain that I deal with, um, having migraines since I was about seven years old, which ironically is the same year that I can also put my finger on accepting Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. It's the same time frame that I can remember back to, you know, a small piece of suffering. Um, but this is one of our favorite verses because um, you know, and I'm not here to exploit my daughter, but she was born with amniotic band syndrome and it was, you know, right after her birth that I had strokes and so we were dealing with an orthopedic specialist at the time. She knows that she's got something that is special about her. She's born different and we love Psalm 139.14 because she knows that she was amazingly, awesomely made by God and you know, all of us are born with different factors about us that make us unique and special, different from somebody else. Some of us have gone through different levels of suffering um, or abuse or um, pain, loss, grief, challenges, right? We've all gone through something. But this verse is something that means so much when you attach it to something that you see about yourself that is different like what my daughter deals with, like my chronic pain. I know I'm awesomely made by God in spite of the fact that I live with chronic pain from herniated discs. I've got about 13 of them. I cannot remember the last time I didn't live with pain. And um, so this verse for me is just, it's incredible, it's powerful (laughs) and you know, it ties right into 4 eight, thinking on what's true. I know I'm awesomely made by God, and there is a purpose for all of the things. And it doesn't mean that I don't do anything to try to help alleviate the pain, but I know that God's will and perfect creation, perfect design is where my identity is found, and I, I trust in him, and I know that I'm awesomely made. <laughs> and then secondly, so first, it sets us up to be more authentically living, to live more authentically in God's design. And then this 4-8 practice of changing our mindset enables us to do more. Well, how does it do that? If you live the 4-8 and you change your mindset, not your circumstances, you change your mind, you change your responses to what's happening in your life. You, cha- you allow God to give you peace. You think on, you dwell on what's true and real over and over like I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I have this pain, but God made me awesomely. I trust in him. Doing the foray enables you to do everything else and enables you to live Philippians 4:13, and all of the other things, all I can do, all the other things through Christ who strengthens me. If you're already focused on what's true and real, then you're already living, believing you are aware of who you are. You believe in who God is. You believe the Bible is God's word. You know, your purpose in Christ is greater than your feelings. You know you are authentically identified by your connection to Father God. God is who he says he is. You know you're fearfully and wonderfully made. God chose us first, and you know that. God's love is forever. (sighs) Mind blown. God's love is forever. Have you ever paused and thought about that? Not just unchanging. Forever. Where is our love in one moment of failed parenting. Have you ever thought about how many times you've just totally lost it? It doesn't mean you've ever stopped loving when you take time to think about it. You never think, "Oh, I stopped loving my child." But in a moment of being completely distracted, in moments of failure, in moments of sin, in moments of suffering. Where is that where's our love then? We aren't capable of actually carrying love out full time mm-hmm. permanently and unconditionally, like Father God. Am I right? Think about it. Where does your love go in a moment of angry parenting? Where does your love go in betrayal of someone who you thought was a loved one or a loyal friend? Jesus died for us. He actually loved us, loves me, loves you, before we knew him, before we loved him, before we chose him and even now in the future all the generations to come from the time he died on the cross he chose all of those who had not yet chosen him not yet loved him including everyone that never would I am a child of God you are a child of God you've chosen Christ we get to choose him and then we get to choose him over and over and over again when we forget him temporarily while we were doing our own thing These are the truths. Is there something in your life that you don't want to give up? Have you ever thought about that? We tend to make excuses for the things that we do not want to let go of. All those things that make us feel good. So we try to justify what it is. We even change sin into something that it's not. We recreate things in our mind. So that we don't have to feel guilty about things we don't want to let go of. We'll change it and we'll decide, oh, you know, it's not that bad. At least I'm not, I could have, you know, you fill in the blank. Are you one of those people who's ever sent out happy vibes? I mentioned this earlier. I'm guilty of doing that. There's nothing wrong with sending out joy and happiness. But as Christians, vibes are not nothing without prayer. They aren't anything. Excuse me. Someone with perfect English is going to be listening to this. (laughs) Happy vibes are not anything apart from Christ and the love of Christ. And they're not anything without prayer. I'm a motivator. I'm into health and wellness. That all matters to me. You know, I've suffered strokes. I have the chronic pain. I I want to encourage people. Here's the problem with my past posts of only sending out positive vibes and good vibes. I've been a Christian since I'm seven years old. um, Since I was seven. It doesn't go far, does it? It can't do that much. My prayers are going to go a lot further than a happy thought. Why? What's the difference? God's power. He is the one who enables us to do great things. Give the happy vibes to God, guys. (laughs) Friends, give the happy vibes to God and let him turn it into a powerful prayer. What's true? What's true about that? Let's forate that. (laughs) <laughs> Let's 8 turning our happy vibes into prayers what's going to happen well it's going to set you apart from some people right maybe people you really love so much maybe those are the people you don't want to let go of right maybe that's something you're not willing to let go of you don't want to stand alone too much you don't want to stand apart too much draw attention to the fact that you're taking a stand doing something different I know that was me I'm not judging you That was me for a while. I didn't want to let go. I didn't want to hurt. I don't want to be in people's faces. I still don't want to be in your face. I still don't want to push you away. But God's calling me to take a stand. God's calling me to step out. And you're not alone if you're there. If there's something you need to let go of, you're not completely alone. There are tons, tons, and tons of Christian people who need community support, inspiration. You're not alone. There's people out there. It really depends on what where you look, right? We'll talk about that in a minute. (laughs) Three keys to altering our mindset. The first key, it's important, like I said, to know what's true and real. You need to already know it. Those things I mentioned in the beginning, you need to be solid on what you know. My daughter asked me the other day, mommy, what does solid mean? (laughs) It was a similar conversation, you know, thinking about things and we were talking and the conversation kind of led her to be talking about some friends. And, you know, we said, one day, you know, there might be someone that tells you there is no God or you're crazy or that's stupid. I don't think there's a God. And so we talked about that a little bit. And I wanted to know kind of how she might respond to them. If love is really the most important thing, you know, because in our house we do say, what's the most important thing? The other person says love. And then we say, Why? And the answer is because God loved us. He sent his son. Jesus Christ chose us out of love. The whole thing that we talked about already. I do a lot of rabbit trails. You're going to find that out. (laughs) Listening to my podcast. But on the tail of. On the heels of saying. There is no God. Or you know someone disagreeing with her. I wanted to know how she would respond. If love is the most important thing. How will you keep the peace. And still show love to them. And you know, her first response was kind of like, well, there is a God. So then I'm like, well, back to peace. How will you keep the peace? What if that starts a fight with them? She's like, well, I would say it's okay if we think differently. And then, you know, ask them if they can still be my friend. And I thought that was a good answer for a little person of five years old. I don't even know if I can remember back to being five. <laughs> and while I think I got a really good solid foundation of biblical truth and of God's love and, um, you know, truth found in scripture through my my father, my mother, my grandmother, and other people in my life, but especially my parents. Um, I, f- I thought that was a great little belief system there. But she's like, well, what does solid mean, you know? What is solid? If we believe this, you know, if we believe this about God, well, what's solid? So I said, well, solid's like the oak tree right there. Another rabbit trail. The oak tree that we planted here in my grandma's yard. We're currently living in my granddad and grandma's uh, mobile home, taking care of it. My grandmother passed away in 2014. She was one of my best friends and she's had such a strong relationship with the Lord. Imperfect person, but beautiful heart for Jesus. Love Jesus. The tree is special because we planted it with my grandparents when we were kids growing up on the farm. Solids like that oak tree. Now that it's grown, it's not this little tiny bush anymore. It's big, taller than the house now. I was like, that won't fall over. You go over there and kick it, nothing's going to happen. But those blocks that you play with with your little sister, they fall down when you kick it, don't they? She's like, yes, they do. I was like, so that's the difference between solid and not solid. I probably could have told that story of building the house on the sand, you know, building the house on the rock versus the sand. <laughs> I did my own thing there. Um, so you need to be solid, right? You're going to go through fire. There's persecution friends, okay? There are going to be things that you come up against. It's biblical. But if you know what's true and real about where your identity is found, who gives you your strength, where you get your armor, you're going to be okay. How do we know what is real and true? Where do we go to seek what is true and real? You don't ask the pizza guy how to do brain surgery, right? (laughs) Why do we seek everywhere else to learn about whether or not we believe in God? As humans. Like, why does humanity do that? Do we believe that unsaved people are really going to tell us what we need to know about the Bible or God? And I mean that in a non-judgmental way. I do not mean that critically. It's just a fact. If I was unsaved and somebody was asking me about something I didn't know about, that's not really going to help me. It's not really going to help them. Where you search for the answers that you want to find matter. You're going to find what you're looking for if you seek in all of the secular places, if you look where the media is spreading lies, if you're looking only where it doesn't matter, you're not gonna find the answers that you need. You can't learn about God by asking people that do not know him, by looking at people who mock him for your guidance. The second way of taking and altering the mind, <laughs> altering the mindset. The second key is turning complaining into thankfulness. This is what alters the spirit. I am not claiming perfection. I would still go back and change things I did yesterday, believe it or not, as a parent. No, this morning. <laughs> let's, let's keep this real. I would change stuff I did this morning. Like I said, laundry is hard with herniated discs on my back. I have 13. Our dryer, I mentioned, that's the one that I have to almost crawl inside of. It's in the mobile home. It's very deep. And I don't, I I swear, I I swear um, in a godly way. (laughs) No, I, I kid you not, I'm not sure how my grandma did laundry in this dryer because she was much shorter than I am. And I just, it's difficult. (laughs) But what I'm trying to say is I've learned to turn complaining into thankfulness. Well, thank you, God, that I have the dryer. Thank you, God. Thank you. That I don't have to hang my clothes out, you know, out in the backyard. So laundry for me is hard because, yes, I do have back issues. There are things like that that I could just easily complain. I hate this house or, oh, I hate this thing or I hate this or I hate that. And what I'm learning to do is just say, even say it out loud in front of my kids. God, thank you for and then fill in the blank and create something. My, ch- you know, my oldest, she's the only one talking right now. The other one's only one. Same thing. They could hate the carrots and the broccoli on their plate, but maybe they could be encouraged to thank God for the chicken, right? I always said 90-10. I had a friend the other day tell me when we were on the phone, 80-20, when you're talking about the gym and fitness, because this is a metaphor or an analogy, excuse me, that I've used before. And 90-10 is like what you feed the most gets the strongest. It applies to fitness lifestyle and it applies to the soul. Basically, whether you do a 90-10 or 80-20, whatever number you feel more comfortable with, I have to agree with my friend, yes, you know, 80-20 is probably a little bit more achievable and realistic than 90-10, but chiefly, what that looks like is if you, 80% of the time what you're eating is garbage, then you're not going to get the fitness result you want, even if you're at the gym all the time. You know, it's the same with the mind, just like what you put in the body, you've done 80, 20, 90, 10 on the mindset, your thoughts, your words. If we complain 90% of the time, we're not going to feel happy. We're not going to feel joy. On the flip side of that, if you're thankful 90% of the time, it's much easier to live with all of those other things that, you know, are difficult. It's easier to not even notice them as much if you spend most of your time being thankful. You can't just decide in your head, I'm going to be thankful. You have to actually do it. (laughs) This is where searching for answers matters, right? You have to actually find the answer that you're looking for and then apply it. If you fill your head, your heart with garbage, your mind becomes what? You know, a trash can essentially. It's the same thing with the body. It matters to your well-being. What goes in, it matters to God. What you put into your mind, how you feed your soul, how you feed your spirit. His is on the sparrow, I know he watches me, it's a beautiful song, and um, there's a verse in Matthew chapter 10 verse 29 through 31, and it says, are not two sparrows sold for a farthing, and one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered, fear you not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. His eyes on the sparrow, he sees us, he knows the number of the grains of sand on the seashore. The third key is you have to get your own armor. So know what's true and real, key one. Turn complaining into thankfulness, key two. And then get your own armor. Ephesians chapter six, I think it's verse 10, or verse 11, um, instructs us to put on the whole armor of God, not just part of it. It's that whole verse about Putting on the breastplate of righteousness and the sword of the spirit. I don't have that one in front of me, but Ephesians chapter six, search around verse 10 or 11 um, and you'll find the armor of God. The verse is talking about the armor of God, but you have to do it for yourself. You can't live riding on the armor of somebody else while looking for God. You have to choose him for yourself. Church is important. Um, I missed it for almost a year with my husband. Uh, during COVID and many of us probably miss church and so um, it's not a religious thing but church is important but you can't just ride off the back of a, a spiritual leader or friend or pastor who has real connections with God who has a real strong relationship real truth lives the life walks the walk you have to do it for yourself you have to get your own army you have to pray for your own strength. You have to put on the breastplate of righteousness for yourself. You have to put on the helmet. You have to grab the sword. They can't fight your battle for you. Now, prosperity pastors, I have a whole thing to say in another podcast. (laughs) I'm not going to get into that. I know there's this whole, you know, God's told me that all these people are going to give $1,000 today. I've got something to say about prosperity pastoring. That's not what I'm talking about. Not all leaders are great. Not all churches are great. It's all, it all boils down to, it all comes down to a real relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, I'm not for people taking money and promising wealth and prosperity here on this planet while taking and stashing the last dollar from somebody else in their pocket. But there are godly leaders. I have some favorites. <laughs> Billy Graham, <laughs> Corey Tin Boom. I love Jennifer Rothschild. I listen to her all the time. Um, Joni Erikson Tata. I just started listening to Catherine Wolf. Oh my goodness, do I connect with her. Didn't even know I was going to be talking about her on my podcast today. <laughs> but um, she suffered from a major stroke and had to have brain surgery and lost a huge chunk of her cerebellum. It was very disabling for her. And I just, I saw, I recently started following her and I listened to her episode and <sighs> watching her hope, observing God's grace in her life and how she has received God's grace. I kid you not, I was just, I was sobbing, friends. I was, I was bawling listening to her story. It has affected her speech. You know, with my stroke, um, it affected my cognitive function. I had to learn how to rewrite again. I do a lot of word replacement where I'll accidentally say couch instead of chair or I will stutter over my own word and um, you'll hear me. It's another reason why I sort of say and um. Sometimes because I'm trying not to stumble over a word, I'll say fit instead of "faith," or something like that, or similar. But I didn't suffer in the sense that I became incapable of walking or having to. With my stroke, for example, my face was momentarily distorted. It sagged on the left side, and my arm sagged on the other side, and. You know, I didn't drop the baby. And I'll talk a little bit more about that when I'm talking about suffering. I have another episode and I'll talk more about the details of the stroke. But Catherine Wolf, um, they have founded a nonprofit organization. I just I I felt so connected to her story, her grace that she has allowed her and her husband that they have walked through this journey together. It's I think it's been fifteen years. Um, But it was just incredible to me to see somebody else who was so affected. My suffering was not during the strokes itself. The strokes did not hurt me physically as far as, you know, I could have just been gone. And I don't really know how many I had. I didn't have to have brain surgery like she did. I I have a small scar in my left temporal lobe. And um, none of the specialists or um, neurologists could tell me, you know, how many strokes I'd actually had. And... In my case, we kind of missed it because it was postpartum, and there was more suffering probably in recovering from the cesarean. That does a number on you. (laughs) If you have not had a cesarean delivery, there was more suffering in that or in the extreme amounts of testing following the strokes, not the strokes themselves. That was my case, and I'll talk a little bit more about that and what I went through. You know, I broke every piece of glassware that I owned. My left hand was constantly doing the wrong thing. I dealt with some frustration and depression, and that was just really from trying to handle some of it in my human strength, and when I turned to the Lord Jesus Christ, who never abandoned me, not for one second was he not present with me during the birth plan change, during the strokes, during the recovery process. Um, Not once did he leave me, but it's just, oh, watching Catherine Wolfe's story, and what she went through at such an extreme amount that affected her speech, her ability to walk and move, I think she may have mentioned, I don't want to misquote her, but I think she was incapable of moving on her own or walking at all outside of that wheelchair for over a year after the her baby was born, her first child, I believe. But she's incredible. Um, if you want to look her up, <laughs> Check out her podcast. She's got the most incredible, incredible story. Her podcast is called The Good Hard Story Podcast, and she definitely has an absolutely incredible life story. Um, and so yeah, I'm not. I can't pretend to be affiliated with her because obviously I don't want to say anything that's misleading. Um, I've never met her, but she's fabulous, and I encourage you to check her out if you have any kind of a similar struggle. Or if you need encouragement in that way, she's a wonderful person to follow. On the heels of all of this, get your own armor. (laughs) So how do you do that? Get in God's word. Get in his presence. Feed faith. What is faith? Just by definition, we're believing in things that we cannot actually see. You don't have to be saved to even know what faith means. You can look at, you can Google up, you could Google up, you can Google it. So review those three things in your mind. How do you change your mindset? What is the first thing? The first key is knowing already, being solid on what's truthful, what's true and real in your life. What's true and real about God? Turning your complaining into thankfulness. Number two and number three. Get your own armor. Now, I'm going to tell you something real quick about the best Bible app ever, (laughs) Again, I'm not getting paid to talk about this, but you're going to find out right now, for reading and studying God's Word and while having access to the original languages that it was written in, Hebrew and Greek, there is this incredible little app called the BLB, the Blue Letter Bible. It's free, and it totally rocks if you would like to study and take verses apart you know, and try to make sense of them and not mistranslate. This is for you. So I would like to take a minute here to break down the four, eight verse for you. We're going to kind of take it apart a little bit. First, notice how it says, finally, brethren, whatsoever is. Notice that it does not say focus on what is about to be real or about to be true. It does not say think on what could be true or what might be true one day. What does it say? It says are, 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 are are, over and over. Think about things that are true, are real, are lovely, are of good report. Why? Because God is unchanging. And so is his truth. We aren't supposed to think about stuff that is not valuable and real as truth itself. Secondly, Paul says, if there be, if there be, which means something is actually present with or alongside of. If there be praise, if there be virtue. So virtue and praise have to be present. In those things, or along with those things, in order for them to be valuable of your time, to be thinking on them, and not be wasting your time, right? So this is a big warning or caution for me personally to not stray too far outside of God's word for anything, <laughs> if you know what I mean. We, uh, what do we find if we search the world over for answers on how to be? We talked about it, right? Think about that. What do you find? Do you think that we're a selfish-natured species? we feel sad we feel like no one wants to hang out with us we feel like our job's not good enough we feel like we worked so hard and it's not coming together we feel like our life is not as good as we compare to others i'm not saying that feelings are terrible god created us he knew we were going to be people of feeling but we're not supposed to make decisions based out of feeling because every selfish decision made in feelings is not lasting it's not fulfilling If we make decisions based on how we feel in a moment without turning to God, it's an error. We live in feelings, right? Well, we know what we find. If we search for advice on relationships in the world, you see it everywhere. Um, Or life choices. You're enough. You do you, girl. You deserve the right to. You fill in the blank. She believed she could, and so she did. I'm going to find myself. I'm finding myself. You deserve better. Have you heard any of those before? Even therapy can lead us down a destructive path if the therapist focuses solely on the feelings only of the client and not dealing with actual issues. We can't just project blame on everybody else for everything that's happened. I'm not against therapy or therapist or counseling. Hear my heart. I believe in it. <laughs> I believe in therapy and counseling. God can use great education. It's important. I studied the brain for two years. I got my bachelor's in communication sciences and disorders. While I was having strokes, (laughs) right after I had strokes, literally studied neurosciences and it was just incredible to find out like, oh, this is what's happening to me, you know, like, oh, I'm not crazy. (laughs) God used education to help me find the fact, you know, find that I was not crazy. Um, I've studied some psychology, so all of these are great positive things. I'm not against them. But one thing we miss so often while trying to be the best at all of these things or be all of the things To the point that we run ourselves ragged and have nothing left is that we're not capable of any of this apart from Christ. We misinterpret things in our feelings. We misinterpret things in our suffering. Like if I forgive them, then it's like I'm saying it's okay what they've done. Forgiveness is not for the offenders or evil doers. It's not for the wrongdoer. Forgiveness is what leads us to freedom. Forgiveness is for us. It's for us. It's for our freedom. If we only live in our feelings, we lose all sense of freedom. We lose sense of self. We lose our identity in Christ. That's where we excuse sin. We start to think things that are not great for us or allow things to come into our lives that aren't great. And little by little, we start to go down a different path because of feelings. The next thing that's important to recognize is that we are only supposed to focus on what is true and real rather than thinking about things that are not as valuable as truth itself. That's what I mentioned a minute ago. Paul is not just suggesting that we think about it casually, right? Dwell on it over and over, dwell, meditate on it. A little example of not dwelling on truth for a minute here. It's no secret to some of you probably that have followed social that I I feel like I have a little, a real sister in Jennifer Rothschild. I just love her. She's got this 413 podcast. She talks about um, so many different things, but the main focal point in her 413 is Ephesians 413. I can do all things through Christ. She's just an exhorter. She's an encourager, motivator. I feel like she's my, <laughs> my sister and um, she likes coffee and chocolate. I used to have this pillow that said men coffee chocolate the richer the better (laughs) isn't that terrible and hilarious at the same time I don't know about men like the focus shouldn't be only about money right (laughs) it's probably not even a good phrase but it makes me chuckle but when I think of it it's like men coffee chocolate let's leave men out of it coffee chocolate the richer the better how about hugs yep the richer the hug of a friendship the richer the hug of a godly christian sister the richer the hug, the richer the friendship. Um, so I feel like I have a real sister in Jennifer Rothschild just by listening to some of the stuff she's gone through. But she broke down. Here's where I didn't dwell on truth for a minute. I'm listening to her podcast. <laughs> Same thing with Catherine Wolf. When I heard that she had strokes, I'm like, my goodness, what do I have to complain about? Nothing. What do I even have to say? And that's what the enemy wants. He wants me to get silent. He wants me to be like, somebody else has already done this. They've already been through more than me. I have nothing to say. And then when I'm listening to, you know, Jennifer Rothschild, it, um, I think it was her eighth episode, literally, of the 413 podcast, episode eight. When I got there, <laughs> I had already recorded a whole bunch of stuff. And I was tempted to think, oh, no, because she broke down every single word in the 4-8 that I was planning to come here and just kind of talk about today. And uh, I was like, oh, no, people are going to think I've stolen from her. (laughs) Isn't that so silly and irrational, how we think with our human mind? And um, Jennifer would probably agree with me, right? And so would Catherine. Stop. Girl, go out there and say what you have to say. You got this. And I talked to my dad, you know, not that much longer. We had a conversation. I was at his house, and he was like, Joanna, You have a story and you have things to say. God has given you things and the things that you have to talk about, you're going to talk about in a way that nobody else can and somebody is going to hear what you have to say that God is giving you to say and it's going to touch their life and that's, that's, he's right. That's the whole purpose is listening to Jesus Christ and get out there and do what he said. (laughs) So stop worrying about it. Stop it. Stop the worrying don't dwell on things that aren't true. Don't compare to other people. Don't even it's okay that it came into my head, but it 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 matters what I do with it. If it comes in my head, we all we're all human, we make mistakes. It comes in my head, oh my goodness, someone did it better. Somebody already broke this first down I'm like who cares, right? And she would probably say the same thing. I'm not saying who cares about her obviously. <laughs> I'm saying don't compare and stop doing something because somebody else is already out there talking. That's what the enemy wants. Get out there. These real Christian sisters and friends and brothers of Christ, they would not say, you're right. I already did it. No, that's not what they're going to say. They're going to say, go out there, say what you got to say, speak what God's telling you to speak. So I'm telling you the same thing, friends. Don't worry. Stop it. Stop that worrying. Another pattern from not thinking the four, eight, we compare. I've mentioned it a little bit already. You know, the most uncomfortable and unhappy we're ever going to get is when we're comparing ourselves, not just on, oh, they did it better, but comparing ourselves with other people's lives or lifestyle, maybe noticing cars or homes that they have. It's not something I dwell on right now that much, but I've definitely, I'll admit, have compared before, especially on social media. Am I right? You ever get on social media and find yourself wasting time scrolling? I used to do that all the time. And like I said, I got to where I was going to delete it. And then God wanted me to just speak some things. (laughs) I tell my daughter all the time when she says, it's not fair. Or talking about her little sister, she gets more than me. Or you got your food first, mommy. It's not fair. And I could say, you know what? I do this for you. I do that for you. I do this, which I've done that before, which is not, I don't suggest that. It's not great parenting. That's like, you know, gaslighting. (laughs) I'll say, honey. On a good day when I'm listening to the Lord, I'll say, Honey, sweetheart, it's not fair. You're right. Everything cannot always be equal and fair. It can't. You're gonna you're gonna get your happy feelings back if you choose Jesus, because no matter how hard we try as humans as humans, we make comparisons all the time. Like life is supposed to be fair and it's simply it's not. If it was fair, Jesus never would have had to die on the cross. Um You know, for people who didn't even love him back or who would reject him in the future. Do you think that's fair? Um, No, we will never continue. Excuse me, we will will continue to feel sad, angry, hurt if we wait for life to become fair and equal. Or if we only think about the ways that we've been hurt rather than finding freedom and forgiveness. So I'll encourage her to consider that after her baby sister, you know, her food will come right up quickly and then I'll ask her to think about something that makes her happy or especially I'll say what can you thank God for she can usually always think of at least three things to thank God for and voila she's already starting to feel happier it works literally like magic but it's not magic it's a matter of the heart it really is truthful that when we change our mindset and change our responses to what's happening in our life do a (laughs) 4-8 think of what's true and choose thankfulness it makes a difference so thinking about what is true um, the Greek meaning of truth is really essentially loving the truth, speaking the truth. And I, I've, I pulled Greek context and Strong's definitions from the Blue Letter Bible. That's where I pulled the information and was able to break this verse down. That's why I think it's such an excellent tool because anybody can do this. It's It's basically saying not concealing. You're not hiding anything. It's positive. And then when it's talking about what is honest, think about what is true. What is honest? Honest is to be reverenced. It means of character or for character. character. It's honorable. Honorable deeds. Honest deeds. To be gravely honest. And then what is just? Just is referenced even in biblical usage, that as righteous, and in a wide sense, virtuous. When you're keeping the commands of God, faultless, which essentially is blameless, faultless. There is your you know, something that is just that is faultless. Then in the Strong's definition for that, it is right wholly innocent. Implicated as holy and innocent. What is pure? Think about what is pure. Pure again has to do with clean. Lovely. What is lovely? Acceptable. What is lovely means what is acceptable. On Jennifer Rothschild's breakdown of lovely, I didn't know this. But she said that it's found only one single time in the New Testament and nowhere else. I did not know that, but that's incredible. Think on what is lovely. Think on what is pleasing. The biblical usage means acceptable, pleasing, lovely. Think on those things. What things in your life are lovely? And then what is of good report? Good report means it has to be sound. You're you're uttering words of good, of goodness. So complaining about the dishes, that's not uttering words of goodness. You're thinking about goodness. If it has virtue and if it has praise. Virtue is purity, moral goodness. It has to do with morality. Virtuous things. Praise. Praise is like laudation. It's a commendable thing. Think on these things. Again, think to reckon calculate, that's one of the biblical usages outlined in the Blue Letter Bible for the Greek translation, under the inter, in, interlinear um, concordance. Count it over and over, take into account. So not to get too heavy or to bore you, I don't want to lose you right here at the end, <laughs> but think on, do a 4.8 today. Think on the things that are true, that are Honest, just, pure, lovely, and of good report, And make sure that they coexist with virtue and praise. That they are morally excellent. That they are praiseworthy. Worthy of your time and attention. Dwell and think on those things. Think of at least one thing that you can thank God for. How are you doing so far today? What would be different if you switch something around and let God work in your life? Well, this first episode on the 4-8 life has come to an end. Gosh, I just hope you felt so welcomed and encouraged here today and realizing that you are not alone. Even having you here with me helps me to remember that I'm not alone either. (laughs) You are loved. I am loved. You can do all things through Christ and everything else above and beyond your imagination if you let go allow God and begin each day first and daily walking in the four eight that we just talked about. That means thinking on dwelling on positive truths and then circling back to those truths that you know over and over again until mindset habits form that are valuable are worthy of the time God has given you. Remember I want to stay connected with you and hopefully you want that too and you can do that by subscribing right here to the Well for Goodness Sake podcast. You can also follow Well for Goodness Sake for news and updates, encouragement, sometimes some humor, (laughs) some funny things, funny reels on my Instagram at Sake underscore WFGS. That's W for well, F as in for, G as in goodness, S as in sake. Well for goodness sake underscore WFGS. You can also subscribe to the YouTube channel for more content on Seeking God First and Daily, as well as Walking That 4-8 life. Please feel free to provide feedback. I love to hear from y'all or leave a review. In fact, I encourage your review. <laughs> if any of this content or anything that we talked about today resonated with you or was encouraging to your heart in any way, I would love to hear back from you. Obviously, I'm hoping for real feedback while also hoping that it's positive. But I do want to hear from you so that I can connect with you and hopefully continue to provide encouragement for your heart by holding your hand and walking alongside you while we seek God together. Friends, moms and dads, sisters and brothers in Christ, fellow students, boys and girls, we are not alone. We're not alone. God is real and God loves you. Well, for goodness sake, let's go do a 4-8. Until next time, I love you and it's all because of him.